I literally just got home from a Bassmaster Elite Series event, so you know the drill. It is Jake's take behind the scenes of the Bassmaster Elite Series event in La Crosse, Wisconsin with Bassmaster videographer Jake LaTondres this week on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all to the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Welcome in, friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. I literally just got home um, a few hours ago, and our guest today, Jake, is literally walking in his door right now as we speak. So thank you for being committed to us because clearly we are freaking committed to you guys. And um, with that in mind, holy crap, this channel, the YouTube channel now has 140,000 followers. Thank you. Thank you all. It is, um, it's incredible how it continues to grow and how the podcast continues to grow. So no matter where you're watching, thank you. Thank you. Tell your friends, as Pat McAfee says, be a friend, tell a friend, and um, keep us growing because uh, it's awesome. And that's why we're so committed to being here for you to blab about whatever we saw this past week or another time or some other stuff. Um, some of it's true. Some of it's made up. No, it's all true. Actually, that's really the only thing you can count on with this show. Um, it will be true, right? To the most embarrassing of stories, which I think I've agreed to tell on today's show. Um, I have not even told my family this story at this point. Um, so this should be a good one um, because it seems like stories are better if they're embarrassing. Uh, people like it better for whatever reason. It's kind of like when you go on vacation, you want the weather to be crappy at home. It, it doesn't make you any more comfortable where you are, but it makes you happier to know that people that you love are freezing while you're not. It's just a weird part of human nature. So the event that I just got home from and Jake's on his way home from or just on his way in his way in the door, literally, um, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, the final Bassmaster Elite Series event of 2022. As always, it was freaking awesome. I did not make it to Elite Fest. I apologize to Jeremiah. We were staying downtown this year, and it was just like harder to get to things and um, or harder to get away, I guess. Um, and it was just being the last event, too. There's a lot more moving pieces. You know, we had crew dinners and stuff like that that were very, very cool. But um, it was a great event i mean how let me know in the comments how would you guys rate this event what were your favorite events of 2022 um speaking of which the bassmaster schedule came out today and i'm going to totally ignore it they gave it to me early but i'm still going to totally ignore it just because i mean it, well i can't can i i'm not gonna i that uh, I'll be honest, we're recording this the day before, and just in case it doesn't come out today, I don't want to announce it, but I'm going to tell you, here's the truth about schedules. No matter where we go, there's going to be complaints because we only go to nine places, and if you live outside of those nine places, you're not going to like it. Um, 
I'm sure we're going to hear we're not going to the West Coast. We're going to some similar fisheries, but I think we have a good schedule, another good schedule, man. We're going to some newer stuff. There are stuff that we haven't been to in a long time, some historic stuff, and uh, we should see some big, big weights again in 2023. But before we get the cart ahead of things and jump ahead, I will do a full schedule breakdown um, in the next week. I'll, maybe I'll do it with an angler. Uh, maybe, I'll, uh, maybe I'll do it with Jake. I don't know. We'll do something with the schedule, I promise you. But it's good. I like it. And, and you let me know what you think because you probably have it by now. If you don't, you'll have it in the next 24 hours. That's when Bass is releasing it. But um, an exciting schedule, an exciting 2022. What a finish. And so many topics to talk about. Literally, um, the cup overrunneth with topics there's so many different topics probably not going to be able to get it all into this show but uh as always we will do our freaking darndest thank you all for listening once again and without further ado if if there's a good cop bad cop i guess i'm the bad cop let's bring in the good cop right now Bassmaster videographer a man who has seen is it who is it who has he seen um Oh, my goodness. The Grateful Dead more than 64 times. A man who's a former, not just a cliff climber, he's an ice climber. A man who is friends with the person that discovered Sue the Dinosaur. Jake LaTondres, Bassmaster, videographer. Back together two weeks in a row. Jake's take. Here we go. Um we literally both just got, I mean, I got home a couple hours ago. You you literally just walked in your door. So on behalf of all of our viewers that may or may not say it, thank you, Jake. I mean, we're <laughs> idiots to be this committed to doing this, but um, thank you. I had so many people come up to me in lacrosse over the, over this weekend, telling me how much they enjoy uh, Jake's take and Mercer and all that. So, I mean, it's important. It's important. I love being a part of this. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. And I'll always be here. I love it. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, I, I, it's shocking to me with all the other things that, that, you know, we're both involved in that as much as you hear about this, um, but it's cool. And it's, um, and I think it's only for one reason, because, there's a lot of podcasts, but I think that we get to see some stuff that nobody else gets to see or very few people get to see. And on top of that, we're ridiculously honest on this show, Jake. We, I mean, <laughs> stuff we talk about is stuff that people say, oh, wow, I never thought you would have talked about that. But um, yeah, so season's freaking over, dude. Oh, I mean, it's bittersweet, right? It is like, I'm still like, I'm just got home and you same thing. So I'm still kind of like off that high, but I know in a few days or for me every year it is like, I mean, I guess it'll take a week or so where you're like, you know, Hey, season's over. It's all good. And then a week from now I'll be like, huh, that was kind of, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like being at home too. I'll be honest. Like I, when everybody goes to events and you always hear people saying, Oh, I needed to get back on the road after a five week break. I'm very comfortable at home. I think I'm just one of those people that wherever I am, like, and when I get on the road, 
Like I bitch nonstop about leaving. Trust me. <laughs> I'm a total pain in the ass um, to my wife and family. But when I get on the road, I love it. Um, but I also like it at home. So um, balance is important, I guess. I like, I like the events. I, you know, I have a schedule after the elites. I have, I'm going to uh, leaving Friday to go cover the uh, college national championships at Winyaw Bay. And then I'm covering three opens. And then what else? I'm doing a new project for JM. And then I have the Redfish Cup in November. So, you know, it's not the same because the elites, that's a completely, that's the cream of the crop. That's our, that's our real traveling carnival family on the water. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, I get to see a few people in the opens, a few of the anglers and, and some of the, some of the crew. So it kind of keeps my blood going, but I always, I'm always sad to see the elite season come to an end. I always feel like on my trip home, I always feel like, Dang man, you know we we all go our separate ways um, until February. So um, I'm 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 bummed, but I'm I'm good with it. <laughs> so my eleventh full season. Uh, wow, congratulations! Yeah. Um, so what you're saying is Jake's take is going nowhere. I mean, you're going to other fishing events, and you can give us the exclusive breakdown on the college event. I mean, me and you will be doing. I think I'm doing redfish as well. So Sweet. we'll both be at that. Um, Port Aranus is it Port Aranus? <laughs> I had a hard time with that. I'm gonna have to learn it again. <laughs> Port Aransas, Port Aransas. That's, that's it. Right. I'm and, gonna have fun and, there this year. That's gonna be a hoot. I missed last year because I had other things going on. It's in uh November and right in the heart of of deer season, which 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 was very uh interesting. How many people mentioned on stage? Like when you were asking people what they were going to do in the off season, deer season came up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if there was deer tournaments, <laughs> the elite series would be out of business tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Luckily it, they come at different times. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, there's some people that you'll hear pros say, Hey, I need that decompression time. And, and that's where they spend a lot of time you know, kind of decompressing from the season, thinking about next season. And then I've had even other pros say, you know what? I'm not a part-time professional angler. I don't spend three months in a tree. I am focused on sponsors and different situations. Or fishing, practicing, fishing yeah. during the off season, going to locations, you know, that, that they haven't been to or places they haven't unlocked and they want to go figure it out. I mean, a lot of those dedicated guys go there and kudos to them because that's what makes them pros and makes them better at what they do, right? They're yeah. focused on their job at hand. I can understand the decompression side too because we've talked about the pressure that they bring or that they have on themselves and and some of the letdowns at the end of the season. Some people didn't make the classic. You know, some people are, are reevaluating their careers and things like that. So I can definitely understand that decompression time too. Yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think that hmm. that – anglers argue about everything and there's angler like if you like to just not hunt and do other things and focus on your career that's cool but probably at some point in your career your career will get to the point where you or maybe not maybe you'll always be that person i don't know so to each their own if you want to go hunting go hunting if you don't want to go hunting 
go hunting for sponsors if that's what you want to do. Um, but we had a freaking whirlwind last two weeks. But on top of that, our final event, obviously, we talked last week about South Dakota, but our final event was in a baseball diamond, which I was skeptical of when I first heard it. But I freaking love it. I want every tournament on AstroTurf now. My shoes are so clean. <laughs> the grandstands behind the crowd, and there was people in the in the stands, you know, getting in the shade. I thought it was really cool. And Chase Anderson was standing next to me uh, at the weigh-ins on day three, and I, I tapped him on the shoulder, and he turned around. I said, "Is this not cool or what?" And he goes, "This is really cool." And I said, "You guys should build a a, a portable grandstand." <laughs> Oh, I've take always every, said that big bleachers, dude, oh, and get man. them closer to the stage because that's what made that um, Philadelphia event so special because it was like that amphitheater effect, and it's Philadelphia, and the fans are psycho. I love it. <laughs> like, I mean, there was it was wild. You'd see anglers would be weighing in. And I remember that just people yelling stuff from the crowd, and they're just like they didn't even know what to do. It was like you threw them into the thunderdome um but i think it was a, a huge success um great crowds we what about flew. the crowd on monday uh, i was so shocked like honestly i i thought it was gonna be i said that when i walked out i said i thought it was gonna be me and and the dozens you know maybe i figured we'd get a hundred people but i mean I, there was a good amount of people there and the people that were there were very passionate and hardcore and um, engaged. Yeah. 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 It was, it was very, very cool. It, um, so before we get into your on the water, lots of stuff was accomplished this week. Um, first of all, let's start out with the first award that was given away. Jay Shakurat not only threatened for this event again, um, at certain points, but he won rookie of the year. Shocker. Um, He's an awesome kid. Like, it's just a like when you look, I think because he's so quiet and he, you know, he has, um, what do they call it? RBF, which is resting, you know, face it, for somebody who looks, he's the exact opposite. He is resting smile face. He's he like, oh, he's got a perma grin. Yeah. He's just always just smiling, but never giving you much <laughs> and i talked about it a lot on stage this week and and his dad's just like that and his mom said he's always been like that and um you think that oh, just comes with being humble i i think he's humble but i think he is also the son of an incredibly accomplished walleye pro i think he luckily was born with the flatliner attitude that you need to have as a professional angler literally all of the greats are kind of you know they may not always be you know what i mean there's a lot of them that are more animated on stage and jay but when they're competing they're very kind of checked out like just focused on what they're doing but not they're not getting you know it's not like going to an nfl game where you see them you know slapping each other in the face before they go out it's not that same vibe um they're amazingly calm on the water and when things you know, I think they're, they're always, they're that way a lot of times in preparation for something to not go right or something that's going to go wrong and they yeah. can't, they can't spin out and they, they start their day in that with ice in their veins and they try to maintain that throughout the day because there's always a slow period or 
some guys start out fast and catch their fish early in the morning. And then all of a sudden it slows down during the day and they start wondering, or wonder what everyone else is doing. If they're not coming, like as a camera guy, you know, we call live, we, we, we call live to the anglers so they know when they're live and then we clear them when they're clear off camera. So they know when they're on camera and a lot of them will say, if they don't, if we don't go live on them, you know, for a while, the first thing they assume is someone else is catching them. Someone else is everyone, everyone else is pounding them and they're not. And that gets into their head. (laughs) Yeah. It's, and there's so many reasons that it's just like, when we get emails from people saying, why didn't you cover so-and-so? Why is Bass not want to cover? Trust me, we want to cover everybody. But the more cameras we can get, the better it makes the show. 90% of the time, the reason an angler gets more or less coverage on a show has to do with the fact that they had good cell signal. They, you know what I mean? At the time that it was happening, they got a good clean shot. Um, there's anglers that go in areas at some lakes where we don't get them the entire tournament. Um, and that's just part of the nature of the beast. It's frustrating, but I mean, there was a time that we got none of them and it wasn't that freaking long ago. Um, but Jay Shakira, what's your take on him? Have you spent much time with him? I haven't. I've, I've never covered Jay. I do remember the Shakira name from well, I used to fish in the, uh, PWT, the professional wall trail, as an as a co-angler, an amateur co-angler. Of course re- you did. Of course you did. <laughs> and I remember his dad uh, very well. Uh, I never knew his dad. I just remember the name very well because yeah. I used to keep up with that circuit. And uh, it's no surprise to me that he's doing what he's doing, although – it's really cool that he grew up in the walleye world and he's doing this in the bass world. And, and, and what's even more mind boggling, like if you put, you know, you start putting this into, into perspective, the fact that he is the age that he is, it's his rookie season. He broke the all time, the all time smallmouth weight record ever, ever like that's insane. That's on insane, a body dude. of water that he was never on previous to prefish for that tournament. Um, and became the youngest to ever win the lead series event and won rookie of the year and qualified for the classic. And he just turned 23. It, it's, it's unbelievable. But I mean, I, I spent, I've been lucky enough while he's been here, some families, I mean, it takes a while before you meet them or whatever, but, but Jay's family, I got to, and I too knew who, who his dad was coming to the elite series. Um, but I did, I hadn't spent any time with his dad. I don't think, you know, previous to that, but at the first event, his parents were there with their lawn chairs, like soccer parents watching uh, Jay. And I remember a conversation we had and they were like, we don't know, like Jay doesn't know if it's too soon, but he qualified and it's so hard to qualify. He doesn't want to miss his shot. Well, c- clearly he was ready. Um, and one of the coolest things that happened this week, um, I get geeked out over like weird little things. And it, I just love the support that you see a lot of our anglers getting. Um, and he, his fans, Zona started coining them the Shakurats. So that's, that's the people that cheer <laughs> wow, for him. There you go. Uh, um, and, uh, and I, I sounded good. So I followed it on, but his parents, his mom was there. His dad was there and everything. And the coolest thing ever was I'm leaving. I think it was on Sunday and um, I'm walking 
outside the diamond and this old dude, like I'm talking to Jay's parents and I think his uncle there and a few different, but then this old dude comes whipping around the corner, like literally running. I'm talking like, I don't know. I mean, I don't even want to say his age because I'm going to say he's 70 to 90, <laughs> no, 70 to 80. I'd say not 90, an, elder, not 90. an elderly not gentleman. A, I'd say low eighties. I mean, very okay. svelte and in good shape, but this, his grandfather came running around the corner and he came around and he's like, he's like, I got to introduce myself to you. And, and he came up and he shook my hand and he said, I'm Jay Shakurat's grandfather. And I was just like, he is beaming to tell me that like his connection to this. It was just so cool to see how behind him they are, you know, and it, it, it with as much as he is his head screwed on. It, it makes sense. I mean, generally, if your family are psychos, you are a little bit psycho. <laughs> if your I family mean, is good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the support, the support tells you a lot about a the family. Yeah. B, like, you know, what he what's what's going to influence him and keep him on track through his career and his family, this, the whole fishing professional, you know, fishing tournament scene is in their DNA. That kid has got a, a ton of things going for him in the right yeah. direction. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, I think we're, you're going to be, we're going to be, I'm, I'm glad we know how to pronounce his last name. Cause I think we're going to be talking about him a lot and for a long time. Yeah. It, it's amazing that he's as humble and as down to, because I think of myself like a 22 years old dude, I'd have a hundred percent had personalized plates already that said 102.8 <laughs> and I'd be rolling around with the biggest, thickest gold chain that said R O Y on it. <laughs> I would show up with a grill. <laughs> well, we get okay. a year off from that because he won it and we know he's not going to be doing those things and we've got a really solid kid i mean he what a, what a great character of a person to represent the rookie of the year for an entire season that's pretty cool man yeah no he's he's incredible um and on that thread let's move to our next title that was given away this week and that is Bassmaster Angler of the Year and becoming a two-time progressive Bassmaster Angler of the Year, Brandon Polnick. I mean, um, what more can you I dude, mean you dude, go? It, man, I look, Brandon Polnick is is obviously going to go down, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years from now, people are going to be talking about him as one of the greatest bass anglers of all time. You know, that's, that's going to happen. Aside from that, can you think of anyone, anyone that would be a better ambassador to the brand, the sport, the role model, all the things that come with, you know, being that guy, like I'm not even going to compare him to another professional athlete because he's Brandon Polinick and he represents everything that you want in a guy to represent what he does and what he brings to the table. Integrity. He thinks about what he's going to say before he says it. He's never out of line. You know, the guy just can't do anything wrong. And everybody loves Brandon Polinick. What a great, great person. And congratulations, Brandon. That was, I mean, I, I, I almost started crying when he got that award. 
but I did. <laughs> yeah. And, and in typical Brandon's fashion, who's the first person he talks about? Aaron Martins. Aaron Martins. You know, uh, I mean, an amazing individual and, and somebody that's guided so many people. And, and now, unfortunately, because we've lost him, you know, I think people just realize how how much I think people Aaron was definitely somebody when he was alive. People knew he was special. And Brandon's that way, too. Like Brandon is. And I think I know I've told you this story, but the first time I ever met him, I haven't I don't think I've told it on the podcast, but the first time I ever met him was before my first classic. And I started at the Bassmaster Classic. My first day of work was day one of the classic. Um, how stupid was that? Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was um, it was fun. It was, you know, talk about getting thrown to fire. Um, but so anyways, I was in town a week before that classic. I got a lot earlier for that because obviously, I mean, I'm starting the job. So I need to spend some time and get comfortable and get to know everyone I'm working with. And so and it was also. Um, the first classic for the new ownership since ESPN, right? So um, Don Logan, Jim Copeland, and of course, Jerry McKinnis had bought Bass. So there was a lot of moving pieces. And if you look at the changes, and I don't think they get enough credit, really, and I'm getting off topic, but the changes like that happened between that last ESPN classic and the first one, like just staging alone. And Mike McKinnis took what they were doing, rolled it up in a ball and friggin exploded it and turned it into WWE and and oh. I am thankful for it and it in every year it's like Larry and the crew that that build that they're always like here's what we're doing this year here's how we're making it bigger and better but uh, I'm getting off topic so the first time I met Brandon Pollock was that week and it was probably you know before their prefish or in between their prefish and the classic starting or whatever and I'm in the host hotel and it's you know the middle of the morning and I'm just wearing, you know, street clothes. I'm not wearing Bassmaster clothes or anything. And all the guys that knew me that I'd see around the hotel, like Kevin and stuff like that, of course they were like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. And Kevin was introduced to me to everyone, but there was some pros I didn't know at that point. And, and they, you know, like a lot of times at a new job, you're the new guy at the factory. You, you gotta be put through the paces. So nobody really went out of their way to be like, Hey, new guy, welcome. Um, but this one dude walks up to me while I'm in line and he says, Hey, I'm Brandon Polnick from Idaho. I'm the Bass Nation kid. And I said, Well, I know who you are because I've done some research, you know, on him and everything like that. And we sat down and we spent like a half hour just talking. And we talked about all kinds of things like life, just uh, like it wasn't like a, the average conversation that you have with a kid that is as young as he was at the time. And um, we even talked about like he talked about how much Brian Kershaw inspired him. And he told me about the whistle that he got from his dad and all this stuff. And, you know, back and forth, we, he's like, well, do you think it would be cheesy if I blew it? And I was like, well, no, I don't think it would be cheesy. I think it would be cheesy if you blew it all the time. I said, but if you find the right moment and it comes and you'll know that moment, I don't know right now. You don't know, like maybe it's the last day, maybe it's. You got to see how your tournament goes. That moment will come and you'll know it. And when you do it, it'll it'll be awesome if you do it at the right moment. And for whatever reason, I was just so impressed with him. And I did like I think back, like I didn't even like when people walk up to me now and they if they had said that, like it's just for whatever reason, he has this aura of confidence without arrogance. It's just like that. It's simple. He's going to do it right. 
So after about a half hour, 45 minutes, that's the first time I met Brandon Paul and I in my life, my first classic, his first classic. And, um, I had to leave because I had to go to a production meeting, which I thought was a big deal at the time because I'd never been to a production meeting. It was just something on my little schedule. They gave me that said production meeting. And it was with Mike McKinnis, Jerry McKinnis, Mark Sona, Tommy Sanders, Tim Schick, you know, kind of, it, it was a think tank of people. And I was smart enough to be the new guy and shut my mouth for the majority <laughs> of the meeting. I mean, that is really the best advice I can give you. Be an adult enough to shut up when you first go into meetings because you're not going to impress somebody with all the, you know what I mean? When you're oh, the yeah. new guy, learn. Um, and that's what I was doing. So it gets, you know, we're getting into the meeting. I don't know if it was Jerry or Zoner or whatever. Jerry might have been like, well, Mercer, what do you, what do you got? Well, you're wearing your shirts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I said, guys, I don't know. I just met this kid. I said, I don't know if he will ever catch a bass, but I said, if he can, he literally has every other element it takes to be a superstar in this sport. And he caught him, finished sixth in that classic, um, blew the whistle on day three and had the entire arena crying. Um, and the rest is freaking history. I mean, uh, and it got better. It got even better. I mean, yeah. how do you do that? You know, it, it, he's, he's a special kid. Like he really is. And, and it's funny because I mean, I, I call him my little brother because you, you know, he's my little pro. Like, I, I mean, I, I love Brandon Polnick, but I, it's weird. Like when in our relationship, you would think I'd be the one giving him advice all the time. And it's not, um, it's quite often he's giving me the mature advice and I'm the one receiving it, but he's, he's that special of a person. He's that special of an angler. And, um, I couldn't be happier for them. The whole crew, Tiffany, um, Kyle, Kyle, everybody, <laughs> you know I mean? everybody. Cool is that? I mean, he uh, shoots his series with his best friend. Like there's, it's just, I put a post up and I honestly believe it. And I, I hate to go on and on, but man, he never mind what he does in the water. His accolades is what attracts everybody to him. His accomplishments are gets him in magazines, but what he gets most is life. He literally gets life. He never, he just thinks outside of the box. He thinks um, like somebody much wise, much older and wiser than he really is. And um I think he is just freaking getting started. He is going to fill I his totally freezer agree. full of meat in the next five to 10 years on the Bassmaster Elite Series. So, you yeah. know, um, when I think of Brandon Polinick, I actually do think of Aaron Martins as well. And now, especially this year, I think of a, 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 a line in one of the lyrics uh, that Whiskey Myers sings in stone when he talks about Jesus and he says, I wish I had a little more of him in me. And I think, wow, what Aaron, yeah, dude, cool like, that's line. a very, very powerful line. And, you know, I think Aaron Martins was that guy for so many people. You hear yeah. Brandon Polinick talking about literally giving him his sticker knuckles on his boat, you know, during the la over the last two weeks because of all the pressure, trying to make the right decisions. Chris Zaldane talks about him. Um, uh, 
David Mullins, everybody talks about about Aaron Martins when they when they need something spiritual to rise them up to an occasion, right? And I think Brandon Polnick is the same kind of guy where, you know, that's what he does for people. He lifts people up. There's never anything negative. He never complains, bitches about anything. He just does his job. And he looks at this whole thing. He and I were talking uh, at his campground up, up at Lake Hawaii. And he said to me, he said, man, you know, I just look at this like we're so lucky. We're, we're, we're bass fishing for a living. How can you complain about anything about that? And I think that is the attitude that, that a lot of people need to take a really close look at and, and you know, uh, evaluate that and, and, and figure some things out because, um, you it's know, Brandon, it, it is the truth. It is. It's the truth. <laughs> all of us. All of us. Yeah. And, and you think of. In any sport, the end of the season, you get people where they're, you know what I mean? That's when debates start to happen. That's when people are disgruntled and people are pointing fingers. And I didn't have a bad season because of this. I didn't have a, or I didn't have a good season because of the wrong lakes, the wrong weather conditions, the wrong, whatever. He doesn't even involve himself in that stuff because he's like, that is I'm fishing for a living. And, uh, Anything that I focus on not catching fish is just a distraction. And it's, it's incredible, dude. Like it's, it's, it's just nuts. It's more, it's more than it's more, it's, it's something bigger than what we can explain. I want I want to tell you, this is a little side nugget from the camera trailer. Okay. And, and I will, I'll say this. Total with total transparency. Okay. There was a time when I was in Brandon's boat quite a bit. You know, I filmed him, I filmed him do some pretty incredible things. He won yeah. Champlain and, and we've had some big times together. And then people started wanting, because he is who he is, other camera guys wanted to be in his boat. And, you know, I think, I think, uh, through a, some roundabout ways, um, uh, particularly a few years ago, you know, I kind of got blocked from that position and getting in Brandon's boat. And he asked me one time, how come we're not, how come we're not in, you're not in my boat anymore. And I really didn't want to answer the question because I was sitting there talking to Brandon Polnick, Mr. Positivity, and I didn't want to say anything negative. So I never, I never said a word. And now, now it's, you know, everybody wants to get in his boat. And now there's a guy, Brian Evie, one of our camera guys who uh, started uh, last year, the year before last, I can't remember, you know, he's moved up very quickly. He's a very talented young man. Yeah. He's learned, he's learned the ropes. He's, he's gotten in with the right people. And, and Brian has been, uh, Brandon's Polnick for most, not all the season, but for most of the season, he's been in his boat. And I think he had a eight or nine or 10 day run there with yeah. him, um, which, you know, we've talked about the chemistry, the camera guys build with certain anglers and now that they've got chemistry and there couldn't, you know, really be another, a better guy to be in Brandon's boat. I would love to be in Brandon's boat again, and I'm sure I will at some point, but um, you know, there's a lot of cool things going on. And, and, and Brian is kind of the same way. He's got that positive 
attitude and and you know he's quiet and yeah. and sort of introverted so to speak but i think he fits well in uh in brandon's boat so it's something nice to see and congratulations to brian for covering him so well in such an incredible season right yeah and how much that must feel like i congratulated brian after the way and like because Dude, you, we talk about the emotional roller coaster, the Christie story with you, how you guys went for three days together at the classic before and it didn't work out right. But to conquer that dragon, but to go through everything, to see all those highs with Brandon this year. And and I think that's one of the coolest things about his win. He got tested. And that's what Pickwick. you always want to see. What about Pickwick, dude? I mean, having a baby, not knowing oh. if you're going to get to finish the tournament, driving, and then literally jumping in your vehicle and hauling ass to Idaho. You know, I mean, there were so many things that went on that, that could have really kicked Brandon off the tracks and gotten him into the mud a bit where he would skid out, but leave it to Brandon Polinick to figure out a way to not get rattled. I'm sure he was rattled, but he figured he figured it out. And oh. and day day two at lacrosse, um, I know we'll get to this, but you know, him sort of losing a lot of ground. Let's just face it. I mean, he he had a, a horrible day two and he lost a lot of ground. And then to come back against a guy like Brandon Lester, who is as solid as it gets and with very similar positive vibes about him and he very doesn't much. get rattled. You that's not the guy you want to be looking in your rearview mirror at and seeing at close range, you know, and 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 he freaking made him catch him. And that yeah. made that made that win the angler of the year award so much better because he was challenged and he and he faced the challenge head on and accomplished what he set out to do that was cool yeah. man yeah no it's uh it's <laughs> it's amazing uh you you brought up pickwick and i don't think of any hey, brandon knows this story obviously i don't know if i've even told you this story but so anyways we're pretty tight and and you know leading up to his child's birth i was all very excited for him have i told you this story i, I don't i don't know no, i don't think so so um you know it's, it's just cool to see it's cool to see with all the anglers like the amount of anglers having babies right now is is ridiculous a few years ago everybody was becoming grandparents now everybody's becoming parents on the elite series talk about how much stuff has changed oh my but, goodness so he's doing this all night drive with Kyle. Kyle's in one vehicle and he's in another and he's going to drive. And we talked for quite a bit that evening. And and uh, so I get home from Pickwick and he's driving. He's got like a 36 hour drive. So he did, you know, eight or nine hours the one night. However, it broke up. It doesn't really matter. But I get home and I hang out with the family and Sarah and everything. And then it's she's going to go to bed and I'm like, I'm going to stay up. And she, she's like, well, why? And I'm like, well, Brandon's driving all night and he's on the phone with a bunch of people now, but in the middle of the night, there's going to be nobody to talk to him. I said, I'm going to keep him company and keep him awake and everything. I'm, you know, I, that kind of freaking friend. Look at you go boy. Yeah. Well, dude. So, I mean, I don't know. It's like 11 11 o'clock. Sarah's going to bed. And, uh, I figure I'll call him at like 12, 31 o'clock. So I sit on the couch and start watching TV, waiting to call my buddy in about an hour. And the next thing I know, the sun is like hitting me in the face. It's freaking morning. <laughs> <laughs> 
I you slacker. Fire night. I'm like, I couldn't even. What a friend I am. You piece of garbage. You can't stay awake long enough. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um, back to his victory, dude. Being tested, not just on day two, but being tested with what happened in South Dakota. And it's every year it happens whenever the fishing universe, whenever the world starts anointing an angler as the angler of the year, it's like, that's when it comes from them. That's when it falls from their grasps. And everybody thought we're going to South Dakota. He's got a lead. He's going to build a bigger lead. And what happened in South Dakota was tragic because yeah, nobody caught him that was chasing him down. But that could have been his dagger. Like he could have rolled into lacrosse with a hundred point lead like Aaron Martins did and not even have to fish. So that goes bad. Then he comes here. Day one goes decent for him in lacrosse. And you think like, wow, he's going to win. You're, you're back. You're like, he's going right. to win. And then to watch him to struggle, to watch him struggle all day and be tested like that. Uh, I think was just, it made it cooler. Like you want it, whether it's, MMA, boxing, or prize fishing. You want to see the champion tested. And man, he was tested. And the toughest thing about that dude is, is his mental strength and, and his ability to stay in it. Again, throwing myself in his shoes by noon on day two, I'd be laying in the bottom of the boat in a fetal position being like, why? Why? I was supposed to win. <laughs> Son of a bitch. But he did, and um, he's a freaking awesome angler of the year. He is uh, really, really cool. Really, really cool. That, that's like a, that's like a it's like the MVP award, you know, in a in in a league, and it means more than just performance. Like we talked about, to some people, you know, they win it because of their performance on the water, and to me. That award, like when I congratulated him um, after he won the award, I wasn't really even thinking about what he did on the water. I felt like this was like man of the year. <laughs> it was it was it's not just angler of the year. It's man of the year, the man of the century or whatever it is. Dude's awesome. He's going to he kill really us. For, he's going to kill us for spending so much time talking about him. <laughs> oh, you think he listens to this crap? He's gonna. He's he's gonna. got a long drive he's home. Gonna, I'm sure he will. He doesn't have friends that can stay awake to entertain him. <laughs> um, no, he's an incredible person. And do you think of like if you want to look at the yearbook of 2022 and you look at who our representatives are for next year as rookie of the year and angler of the year, it doesn't get much better and much brighter than that right there. And to put it all together the big story after jay secure it one was i don't even know if this was even talked about when when that we did that show but i was standing there and brandon is as he always does last day of the event he shows up taking pictures of all the anglers he did again after winning angler of the year um but he's taking pictures and everything and jay's winning and i'm standing with jay's dad again and jay's dad says to brandon he says you know when you were battling with Jonathan Van Dam in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Jay made me get out on the water and follow you. He was 13 years old and we followed you around all day long because you were his favorite and everything. And you just look now they're 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 rookie of the year and angler of the year in the same year. It's just and it was exactly 10 years later. Like when he told that story. 
That was 2012. It, yeah, and it was right? it yeah. was the event it was the event right before iCast because I remember Johnny won it and I was like that's the best event to win and Jay won the one right before iCast. So it's like it's the amazing irony. how much can change in 10 years and just like see how everybody is interlinked and um all chasing that dream. So Right. Let's get into our actual tournament and uh, your experience out there. So that's Angler of the Year, Rookie of the Year taken away. And uh, then we also had a tournament, the ninth stop of the Bassmaster Elite Series. A really cool tournament. It's always one of my freaking favorites, dude. awesome. If those fish weighed, if those fish were four to seven pounds or four to six and a half pounds, that would be the largemouth equivalent of the St. Lawrence River. That place is incredible. I mean, it's incredible. Why do you think they don't get bigger? Like in, in, if you look at how many, we've been there five times, that's mm-hmm. five times with fields averaging around a hundred and a hundred of, you know, the top anglers, that's thousands of sample cases. And we have yet to have a 20 pound bag weighed in. Like it just shocks me because two hours North of there, they're, they're weighing 23 pounds. Like, do you think it's just the river or? I don't know if it, it, it I don't know. I, I asked Keith Combs, we were talking about this on the water on day four and he, you know, everyone's simple answer is something I think that's, you know, written on the chalkboard, which yeah. is a short growing season. But I don't buy into that because like you just said, 20 miles uh, north of there, there are, uh, North of there, they're weighing twenty pound bags. Yeah, I just I just don't buy that. And the, the food source, the food sources there, their forage base is insane. I mean, freaking shad everywhere. You know, they don't have gobies, but they have a they have they have plenty of food to eat. And I just don't buy into the fact that they don't. You know, they just it's a it's a really short growing season. And I don't know why. I wish I wish they did because if they did. That place would be again. It would be the St. Lawrence River version of largemouth. Yeah, and it. I mean, I don't remember a tournament where it was many people walking across the stage saying, "I caught 50, 75, 100 fish today." Like the amount of like just watching bass live, just covering it. It was like there's some tournaments that we're like talking a lot, and this tournament it was just like he's got one, he's got one, he's got one. They were he's backed up. Anthony yeah. was so our our director Anthony was so and our studio truck was so backed up with fish catches that. Like, if you notice, this is something I wanted to bring up, too. If you notice, during during live segments, a lot of times, particularly when it's a little bit slower during those lull periods, we interview our angler on the water. Give us an update, Jay. Tell us how your day's going. You know, what was yesterday like? What are you going to do tomorrow? And asking those, those questions – there were so many fish caught. We didn't even have time to do that because it went from fish catch to fish catch to fish catch to fish catch. And, you know, as live got so backed up that, that we never had time to do anything. All I did was stand there and shoot, shoot catches. And, and there were times where I would literally, I had, I would have like 20 minute clips because they were catching so many fish and it's top water or, or just, you know, subsurface subsurface uh, uh uh lures that they were throwing that you could see so i stayed on them and it was just it was incredible it was it was, it was i love that place i want to go back and fish it just for numbers 
Yeah, it's always one of my favorite tournaments. Every time we go there, and it never lets down. And you can catch him almost any way you want. I mean, I don't know why you would ever throw anything but a frog because it's just so awesome or a top water. Um, But literally, you know, you we've seen him catch him any different way. There, it's an incredible fishery. But you spent the first what two days with uh, Brandon Lester as he. Tried to chase down Brandon Polnick and man, dude, he freaking did his again. He's the only dude who made every cut this year. He has been for the last five years, I think, one of the scariest dudes. If you take the elites and the opens and, you know, look at an average, what he does is incredible. And once again, what he did this week was freaking incredible right down to the very end. And if it wasn't for Brandon Polnick's lead, I mean, he did everything he had to do. He just didn't get. He almost won the damn hoped. tournament. Yeah, he almost came back and won the damn tournament. <laughs> I mean, what was and where he was he was in tenth place? Year. Yeah, uh, and and so we talked so much about how a place like the Upper Mississippi is a very difficult place to make up ground. If you're more than two pounds back, your chances of coming back to win that tournament on day four are pretty slim. And while he didn't win the tournament, he put pressure on everyone. Cause let me, and I want to tell you this backstory. Okay. I had him day one, day two, and he had this little, he had this little pocket that he kept going to. And he told me before he got there, the, uh, the afternoon of day one, um, he already had, I forget what he weighed on day one, but it was a solid bag. And he went to check this spot and, when he pulled up there, he said, man, like, I have not seen a small fish in here yet, but I, I, I shook two off during practice and I just left it alone. And, and I never saw, I haven't seen anyone on it and I haven't seen any frog tracks on the mats, none of that. So I feel like it's, it's a fresh hole if I need it. So we went back day one and sure enough, there's shad. I mean, it looked like this, this an incredible underwater aquatic system and of life everything shatter yeah. blowing up there's there's white bass in there there's small mouth there's there's big and you could tell you know you get used to hearing a bigger bass when bigger bass are blowing up you know they're bigger bass because they sound different right and they yeah. make they just they just look different so all these bass are blowing up. He picks up a frog and starts throwing a frog. Nothing, not one bite, nothing, nothing. And he's throwing on top of blowups, like literally catch, you know, the timing was, was perfect because he's throwing this thing on top of blowups while they're going on and he's not getting bit. So then he picks up a fluke and he's throwing a fluke. That's not working. He tries all these different baits, nothing worked, not one bite. So we leave, he goes to weigh in, weighs a solid bag, comes back on day two, starts out in his what, normal. What did he have day one? He had, I forget it was 14 or was it 15 uh, maybe 16 but he had a good bag he had I mean, a good bag yeah he had a solid bag i think i think, I think it was he had 15 was it 15 something i think it doesn't matter but i mean we are it we was a solid so much bag. time yeah. agreeing <laughs> and disagree and not agreeing <laughs> so on day two well he goes into this in, in, in this pool by by a bridge and literally catches i don't even know how many 40 40 bass in like 
30 minutes, if that's even possible. I have no idea. He caught, he was catching them every freaking cast, right? So he goes back there on day two, starts out, he gets another solid bag in as well. And he's just solid, man. He's just, you know, he he's organized in his boat. His so fish organized. are organized in his live well. He's not wasting a bunch of time, you know, trying to figure, he, he knew he was going to be, uh, Even his family ounces. Like if you look at his family in the morning, like if me and my kids were sitting in the boat, they'd be like climbing all over mm. crap. His kids are like just sitting on him, and they're like very well. Very in front of. I'm sure they're nightmares at home. All children are. <laughs> but, they're very um, well organized. Oh, very well organized. And 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 culling ounces when you're catching when you have five fish in the live well that all look exactly the same and you're culling ounces and you you have to know like when you catch another one if you think it's gonna cull or it might cull you measure it then you go back to your live well and you're like okay yellow was definitely my smallest one and like like Daisuke writes everything down. Taku keeps up with his fish. You know, there's there's different types of organizational skills. Brandon just remembers in his head. He grabs the yellow one. He lifts it up. He's like, oh, he puts it on a balance beam, beams it, boom, throws it out and gets back to fishing. He wastes very little time, which we've talked about before, as part of being, you know, a, an effective professional angler because you're not wasting time. You're spending more yeah. time with bait in the water, right? So then at the afternoon, at the end of day two, he goes back to that spot that I'm talking about and fishes it hard again, throws a frog deep, throws a frog shallow, throws a frog on top of the mat, throws a frog through the, the eelgrass, the fluke, the Texas rig, everything he's throwing at him. And he just can't, he cannot buy a bite in there. So moving forward into uh, yesterday after the weigh-in was done um, and, and he caught 18-6 or 18-8, some ridiculous bag. It was the biggest bag of the tournament, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The biggest bag before that was 17-10 weighed by Schmidt, the eventual winner. Oh, no, was it Schmidt oh, okay. on day one. Okay. Combs, Combs had the biggest bag on day two, I believe. Um, and not to confuse people, we're talking when you say yesterday – this won't wear till tomorrow, which actually is normally the day after the tournament is Monday when the Monday is. So when you say yesterday, he means day four, the final day, four, day. day four. for those True who enough. keep in score. Thanks, thanks no, for it's very confusing. I'm going to be confused for the rest of the year. I mean, you end a tournament on a Monday and we're screwed for the rest. I mean, tomorrow's Wednesday. I mean, well, today's Wednesday when you're watching this. Oh, oh my God. So we're throwing, your, throwing, throwing your bass, your bass master biological clock off. So, I was anxious because I was keeping up with Bass Track, right? And I was anxious. I was like, I know. I just know because I got switched. I got reassigned to Keith Combs' boat for day three and four. And so I was anxious to talk to Lester on uh, at the scales or after the weigh-in to see what he did. And I was betting my house to myself. That spot. He went back to that spot and he figured it out. And so I walked up to him after his weigh-in and he did some interviews and then he was freed up with his family. I walked over and I said, tell me you caught today's bag on that spot. And he said, yeah, man. I said, what did you do differently? And he said, he pulled right up into the middle of it and he got, he got into, into it so he could more effectively fish it closer to the boat. And that's how he ended up catching those fish. On the same baits or different baits? Do you know? I, I wish I would have asked him that. I didn't oh, ask so him So our that. viewers. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it was a it was a Texas rig that, and he could he could he could probably flip it at close range. Yeah, and pluck those fish out of there because that eelgrass is so difficult to get to get into and and fish. And um, I'll, I'll bet you that's what he did. He, I mean, he went for it. What did he have to lose? Right? He was in tenth place. He couldn't fall any further on cha- on the cha- on day four, so he took a chance and. And it freaking paid off. He moved up six spots. He almost won the tournament. Yeah. Well, and he needed to, too. Like, I, and I didn't even think of that because he told me that at takeoff on day one, on day four, the final day, he said, uh, I said, you know, you're intent. It's all gravy or whatever. He's like, no, I need to move up some spots because he says, if you look, Chris has taken, if Chris wins the tournament, I'm going to be third in progressive Bassmaster Angler of the Year points, which gets paid less than second. So he wanted to move up. So he definitely did that. Um, he's a freaking Angler of the Year. That's the thing Dude. that every year, like the top three in Angler of the Year, it sucks that somebody, you know, that two, but but it's literally one bite. It it and that one bite was the bite that Paul Nick got with 30 minutes left on day two. If that bite doesn't happen. Brandon Lester is your angler of the year and and Chris Johnston finishes a close second. And also with him in mind, dude, I mean, third place in angler of the year, incredible. But on top of that, I feel like Chris Johnson and I haven't looked back on paper to even substantiate this. <laughs> so it might just be all Brandon Polnick's the angler of the year, but I feel like Chris Johnson was the, he threatened to win more tournaments this year than anybody like going into the last day. He was in the mix in not just South Dakota not just here, but like, a, it just feels like a lot of tournaments this year. He's a freaking stud, man. I mean, the, the top 10 at this tournament, I mean, every, every top 10 now is like, wow, look at this top 10. This is a great, you know, unbelievably powerful or, or, or strong top 10. And this one was was I don't know maybe even more so. Can I say something about uh, Brandon Lester? That yes, I want to compare. Do. I want to compare him to, uh, you know, a, a a guy that used to fish in the circuit. He re- and I think this all the time when I talk to Brandon Lester when I'm around him, and and his fishing style, everything, his 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 sort of soft spoken personality and all that stuff, and his character as well. He reminds me of our our new version of Aunt Defoe. Does that? Does yeah. That, oh, well, I mean, that, they're also like best friends. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't. No. Oh, I knew they're both from Tennessee and this pretty much the same area. But God, they look they they look alike and they act alike and they fish alike. Oh, so much alike. Like after I won the classic, I I actually asked Brandon. I'm like, how is this going to affect you? Like having one of your like they're lifelong friends, you know what I mean? They've known each other their whole life and just watching Ott win it. Like, how did that change you? And and I think he it did change him. He's become an even, you know, more lethal angler since then. You know what I mean? Just because, because he, because it's more real to him. You know what I mean? Like if it happened to Ott, why can't to it happen to me? And it's mm-hmm. freaking happening to him. Like he is, he's going to win an angler of the year. You have to oh, believe yeah. it. it oh, I mean, yeah. Chris Johnson is Brandon Lester is, and these guys, you know, our field of anglers is so strong because of people like that. Hang on one sec. Yes, ma'am. 
What, baby? We now interrupt this show for Jake to parent. Okay. I'll talk to you guys about things. I'm trying to work something out here while he is. It, you, you parent. Go ahead. I, I, we're a multifaceted show. We can do. We, you can parent. Are you done? Uh, my, my parenting takes a lot longer. I would have to leave my headphones to go ask her what she needs. You, you can go do that. Do that's that? fine. Okay. I'll talk among something. You're solo. Yeah, minutes. that's that'd be just fine. That'd be just fine. Look at the name on the show. <laughs> I know you came here for Jake, but while Jake parents and proves that he's a, a good dad, I'm trying to work it out. I feel like like two of the or three of the last four years on the Bassmaster Elite Series, there has been a Johnston name in the top three for Angler of the Year. I cannot substantiate it right now because I'm not as quick on the Google machine, but they came in 2020, right? So in 2020, wow. I mean, if we had a Jamie, if anybody wants to apply to be Jamie, Chris Johnson was second in Angler of the Year in 2020 to Brandon, to Brandon Palnick. Um, no, this is this year's. None of this makes sense. Don't listen to what I'm saying, but I think my stats are right. If they're not right, you will let me know. Um, I believe the two or or three of the last four years, there has been a Johnston in the top three for Angler of the Year. Those kids are freaking incredible. It's amazing what they've uh what they've accomplished in the Elite Series and and knowing them as long as I've known them. I mean, I'm not shocked. Nobody Nobody that knew them is shocked. I mean, they did the one step that everybody talks about being so important when you want to make it as a pro angler. And what they did was they dominated at home before they ever tried to change. They dominated every single chance. Welcome back, Jake. Uh, that was great parenting. Mine would have been a lot louder and taken a lot longer. So I'm glad you're much more <laughs> efficient at it. Um, but what I was, the point I was making, and I haven't been able to look it up because you had to parent. Um, <laughs> but I think in the last four years, three out of the last four years, there has been a Johnston in the top three for Angler of the Year standings. It's been Chris twice and Corey once. Uh, I, those dudes, like what they're doing is, is wild. They're what they're doing they have, is wild. They have, and they're two, you know, they're two really different people. I mean, we know that, but they're, they, they, they have two different styles about them, but they both have so much fight in them. Corey's a little bit more um, outspoken, maybe, and 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 he's just he's a fighter. You know? <laughs> and Chris is a, a Chris bit is more. David Spade, and Corey is Chris Farley. <laughs> But a skinny version. <laughs> you can, you know them so well. <laughs> and, and Chris is a little more soft-spoken, uh, but they both have so much fight in them. No. They never go away. They're always in. They're always in contention for something. And if one of them's not, the other one is. I mean, they're yeah. they're a very lethal weapon. Well, and that's kind of by design, to be honest. Like, I mean, the they they very rarely are both in contention at the same time because if one of them is, they they sh they still to this day share their bank account. Like the money that Corey wins, the money that Chris wins, it all goes into one account, and you know they're successful. And that's how it's, it it wasn't like they didn't think this up last few years. That's their entire life. Like it goes, that's their fishing account. So, um, kudos to them for another great season. Um. How about that winning moment with Brian Schmidt? It was one of the weirdest. I don't remember a time like there was an actual 
audible gasp from the crowd. And there was, there was, I mean, I'm sure it was just one second. I actually watched the online clip that they played and you, you don't really even feel it that much on that. But if you were there, everybody there kind of talked about it. Cause there was like a moment where like Schmidt thought he lost. He was certain of it. Like that's what they were talking about up in the stage. And Chris said, no, I don't have as much as you think. And it, he ended up being four ounces short, but I think everybody just thought Chris had won. And, um, I think everybody, including Brian Schmidt, was shocked when they he didn't, you know, and um, Schmidt's a freaking monster when it comes to anywhere with grass. He is a like, I mean, this isn't new. Like, no. he, this is second elite, but he has to hold the record for the most Toyota Series wins ever by any individual. He's won opens. He's won everywhere. It, but the one thing that has in common, if it has grass, he catches them. Um and he gets uh, it. You know, he you know he caught all of his fish on day four. He never left his spot. Me and Combs passed him like eight times because Combs wanted it to go in there, but he wouldn't go in there on top of him. And every time we came by, I mean, we we locked in or we locked out and locked back in. And he's still there. And he's still there. So we go up stream, come back to another spot, and he's still there. And when I got back, we got back to the uh, camera trailer. Uh, my little prodigy, Brandon Fiend, was in, in Brian Schmidt's boat, which he's been in many times. He, they seem to get teamed up together quite a bit. And I asked him, I said, did you guys ever leave that spot? And he goes, no, we never, we literally pretty much never left spot lock. Like they were in the same exact spot the entire day. And that's where he caught all of his fish, which to me is just, I mean, he had everything, everything that he weighed in, he had by 11 o'clock or 1130 that morning. So the afternoon for Brandon Fiend was very long, <laughs> but yeah. it's pretty incredible that he did that on the same exact spot. And he was there, he was there day three too. We saw him. He was constantly there. He had to share that space. I think he shared it some with Brian New. Yeah. Um, new left who had New got nothing there that day. Right. Like and then, he got his weight by leaving there. Right. And Schmidt told him to go somewhere else and he went and caught 14 pounds or something. Right. I don't know. I, I think new left on, I, I don't know. There's some confusion. We thought new was lying on live, but it turned out he wasn't. <laughs> he just caught him that quick when he left. Right, um, right. He's also one dude that people oh. are way under the radar with Brian new because of just his kind of old shucks kind of personality and, don't suck and kind of how he's always joking. People take him. He is a freaking sniper. He is so good. He um, is. Two cuts in a row to finish out the season. Um, he's he's a great angler. But, I mean, he but, won his first event ever in the Elite Series. He won. That was St. John's last year, right? Yeah. 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 That's first I season. Mean, he's a freaking but, I, would but put, I remember at that time people like if you go back i wonder if they're still there but i remember people commenting on some of those youtube videos and being like yeah you won't halfway through the season you'll never hear from him again and i'm like all right do some freaking research i mean number one he spent his best buddy that he spent a ton of time with in his life is one of the best anglers on this planet brian thrift and on top of that he's 
an incredibly successful co-angler. And if you can be a, not to win once as a co-angler, but if you can be a consistent co-angler, you are a badass because there's so much luck involved in who you draw, how they treat you, what kind of fish they're catching. On the back of the boat. Yeah, he's all those things. He's incredible. But so is Schmidt flies under that same kind of you. You look at Schmidt and look at how quick things can change. Like when he, when he was on this podcast, we talked about how he was worried about being eliminated from the elite series. And he had already won an elite series, but, but the other events were just that rough at the beginning. Well, dude, he's now a two-time elite series champion and two-time classic qualifier in no jeopardy of losing his seat on the Bassmaster elite series. Like it's, it's amazing how like just, strapping down and getting it done can freaking turn things around and literally so quick. Like obviously, you know, he's been good for a long time, but you know, two tournaments ago, he was in the seventies for angler of the year. And there's all these people that are like, that guy's mathematically eliminated this, but nobody like you, you see it every year. Like there's somebody that makes a big charge and, and he, he said it. it on stage. You know, he's, he talked about that, uh, uh, day four weigh-ins and I was like, wow, come to think of it. Cause I, th I think, I always think of him for some reason, I think of him and his performance at Champlain la uh, last year. And, and that stuck in my head. Cause that's really the first time I paid close attention to Brian Schmidt and, you know, having said all that about him and all the people we've talked about so far, I mean, we could go this this show could be like four or five hours long because we have so many little stories to talk about, not to mention just how it always is at the end of the season. But we have ourselves a group of studs and I would put our guys up against anyone else in the world. They are they have truly come into their own and we have a very special um a lineup of anglers at the Bassmaster Elite level now. They're freaking studs. Yeah. And and <laughs> yeah, they're it's just incredible. And it's also incredible to watch their fan bases grow. You know, the amount of support people like old Bob got. Bob Downey was one of the like the last two oh. events, like those dudes, like dudes, I shouldn't say dudes. It was ladies and gentlemen, his fans don't have a fancy name for them yet. <laughs> the old bobbers. <laughs> There were some of the, some of his crowd. Like I couldn't tell from behind. I thought like three of them were Bob Downey. <laughs> they could be at any moment. They could <laughs> if Bob goes down, boom, yeah. I'm in. Um, they they were incredible, and uh, he's uh, he's coming into his own. I mean, it's awesome to see all of these anglers that not too long ago were concerned about being eliminated, and they're just uh, their stars just keep rising. Um, but it is the end of the season. One of the coolest things that happened this week and, and this whole year, we've been able to have a few different, I mean, in South Dakota, we had a crew dinner all together that I was able to attend. And then uh, we went for a swanky cool crew dinner um, at. Uh, What'd you uh, have, Dave? Oh, I had a steak the size of your head. It was ridiculous. I didn't Did order you have the porterhouse or the, or the. It was prime the, uh, rib. It prime was rib. like oh, it was yeah. prime rib, but but it like street order. Thick. It looked like over an old phone order. book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> literally was uh, over street ordered, and he was the first to order, and I was the last to order, and we were sitting beside each other. But that's how it worked. But I'm a jealous eater always. Like I, when no matter what I order, I'm always like, oh, look at that! I should have ordered that. And I'm all, I'm never happy. I'm so indecisive about everything. 
Um, like I, I takes me forever to figure out what to order. Um, so anyways, I'm street orders of primer. It gets around to me and I still don't know what to order. So I panic ordered in streets. I'm like, you got the prime rib. He's like, yeah, prime rib and scallops. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I thought he got ordered the 12 ounce. It was not, it was the old 96 or whatever. Um, oh, they it, look, they were thicker than Gene Simmons from kisses shoes. <laughs> they really were, but it was very, very good. Um, and it was, it was cool to get out and, and hang with everybody. Um, it was a, just a fun, fun. I think we're going to start doing that. that more often. Like next year, we're going to do spend more time doing that at, at events, uh, the camera crew and you and it's hard you know, though, because you guys get to stop before, like me and street are usually one of the last two to leave the venue where you guys, you're one of the first ones to arrive to the venue, you know, but you, you, when you leave your angler the first few days, for the most part, you guys are done. You got to, you got some interviews to do and different things, but so I get it. I mean, but it's nice to take the time and for all of us to get together. And uh, I think it's important. Enjoy it. It's important. It, it keeps our, it keeps our, uh, our connectivity uh, within our family alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many other things that we have to talk about, but, but we have been talking for a while here. Um, I know we're missing. And I do have to tell you too, it's at like in 10, we had like 10 minutes because I have to go pick up my other two kids from school. Oh, so we better finish. We better finish. Um, so I guess <laughs> I don't have time for my embarrassing This is story. part one. We're going to have, maybe we have to have a part two. Well, I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have you on like once a month, I think. Uh, let us know in comments what you want to see. There you um, go. Uh, but I think our next show has to be uh college national let's do championship a, well yeah but let's also do a let's do a best of the elites moments that almost nobody saw let's literally let's like like decompress and because we both have so many things that we haven't talked about that um we're lucky enough to see or unlucky enough to see depend on the situation <laughs> um but let's let's put a list together both of us um but it'll take us a few weeks to do that because you need to kind of decompress and get away from things. And um, well, I was going to, I made a post on Instagram as I was traveling back from lacrosse and there were so many things I wanted to say as a wrap for the, for the season. Right. And it was so long and so drawn out that I'm like, dude, I'm just going to tell everyone how much I love them and how much I miss it. And I can't wait till next year. And so yeah. I made a little collage of just some iPhone photos that I either or videos that I took from different people's boats that highlighted some of the things that I got to see this year, like Drew Cook and Jason Christie and Lee Livesey at Lake Fork and, and all those things. And, uh, uh, but, but, I, I could not even wrap my head around all the memories that, that we made once again, um, you know, on, on this circuit, it was, it was, this year was special. There was, I know every year is, but man, there were so many cool things that happened this year um, on tour that I think that's a great idea. The best of yeah, David I mean, Jake. <laughs> there, there was so many amazing moments, and but that's a cool thing that proves that we got a cool job because every single year, um, I find myself saying the same thing. This was oh, this was a special year. There was special stuff that 
and and you just learn over and over again. It's special if you want it to be special. They, you know, you can be in the greatest place in the world, and if you want it to just be miserable, it will be miserable. But if you want it to be special, um, it will be special. And there was many special, special moments. And um, thankfully, because of your kids, I don't have to tell one of the most embarrassing stories of my oh, life. Oh, we're not. You're not getting out of that. Totally. <laughs> well, I mean, should I? I should save it for that episode, right? That's one like, of that. I mean, I'm going to have to talk about my situation. Well, no, we've already talked about your situation. I mean, it'd be <laughs> shitty to keep bringing it up. <laughs> um, but my story is quite similar and um, much, much more public. Let's just say, <laughs> not quite as messy, but more, more public. And oh, my um, goodness, in my head, it was, it was. <laughs> The clock today's clock is getting you letting you off the hook today. Oh, I was gonna tell it. I mean, it was on my list of things, but I mean, we run out of time. Thank God for your children. <laughs> I mean, I do have about seven minutes. Do you think? I don't you think can, it's enough. I don't okay. think it's enough. Okay. I mean, okay. Okay. I mean, we've we we have teased it enough. Now it would be unprofessional of us to to blurt to it out, it wouldn't it? True enough. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about it at the on the best of show. Yeah, let's. We we will do that for sure. It was a freaking phenomenal season. Um oh, last thing I got we got to we got to mention. And I'm happy when everyone makes the classic big Carl freaking Jacobson is a Bassmaster Classic qualifier and that is freaking cool. Um he's just worked so hard to be here and did, did you what I, Why are you? He okay. Let me just add this. Okay, <laughs> what, was to what you're saying? You looked all he, animated, like yeah. Me. So, Carl was the last angler I said goodbye to as I was walking out of the baseball field to go get in the rental car. He and Kayla were walking, walking by with a baby, and Rip and he's. I said, "So yeah. how how did it go?" And he said, "I made it, man. I think I made it, mate." And so you know we're all hugging. We're like, "Yeah!" And so on my way back. While I was waiting on my plane, I got some uh, uh, Instagram messages, one of which was a guy from Australia, one of Carl's friends. And he said, he said, I can't even tell you. I, I'm not going to say it in his accent, but he said, I can't even tell you how many Australians are coming to Knoxville next year. You guys oh, better watch out. Wait. They're freaking traveling to Knoxville to see the classic because Carl's in it. And what, what, I mean. I mean, that just gave me like chills, like, oh my God, this is, this is, oh. this is crazy. Yeah. This and we're going to have a ton of Canadians, you know, not just because of the Johnstons and Gussie, but Coop going to bring an army. It's, it's going to be a very international affair. I caused a big stirring though. I, I don't know if I told you about this, but I posted, I might, I was pulled down for, um, what was it? Uh, it was, it was broke. Instagram guidelines, I guess they said it was hate speech. This is my post that I put on Carl's thing. I love it when he had posted that he made the classic. I said, I love it when hard work pays off. I'm incredibly happy for you. Bring on the crazy Aussies and the shoeys. 
and, it, and it, with an Australian flag and it got pulled down. So I don't know if I called them crazy Aussies. I can guarantee you there's not one Australian that is offended by that post. No. They're they're no. probably excited to have some shoeys. And the freaking Bassmaster Classic has gone long enough without a shoey. If you don't know what it is, it's revolting. It's disgusting, but it is spectacular at the same time. It's kind of like Vegemite, really. It's it's another Australian tradition. <laughs> the, Jake, I mean, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm really looking forward to it. And let's just, you know, I'm, I'm going to say right now, the, the Knoxville Bassmaster Classic is going to be the biggest Bassmaster Classic ever. Ever. It's going to beat its own record. It's going to beat its own record. It might be my last because I'm getting choke slammed by Kane at it. That's um, that's coming up. TikTok, TikTok. Uh, I cannot wait. Speaking of TikTok, TikTok, Jake's got to pick up his kids. So that calls an end to this. And as always, Bob Cobb, take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmaster told you to. You hear?